Oh, hello. Welcome one and all to the Wednesday, June 28th edition, 2023 of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got a couple hours of broadcast healing on all levels that we can hit. And uh, we got a special new guest we've never had on before, Michael Hitchborn uh, from La, La Pan, well, Lepanto or Lepanto Institute. Now, Super Don, of course, when he talks about these things, he makes gives me a complex on how to say some of this stuff. I knew it. I, I knew it. you were going to do it, it wrong. Again. You just, you just <laughs> love that. After I jinxed so many it. Years Psyched you out. Show, you Sorry met, about you that. know how to mess with me. Thanks. That's not what the producer. That's Lepanto. Like yes, Ponto. Lepanto Landon, yes. Lepanto. Yes. Now, don't be going there. Uh, we got, yeah, but but just stunning, you know, Catholic uh, research uh, hospitals, different things, promoting uh, gender reassignment surgery. It's just bizarre what's happening out there. We're going to talk with uh, Michael about that and more and what you can do about it. Uh, also, uh, the pandemic leaders during uh, the scamdemic, pandemic, uh, uh, interesting, they were biodefense puppets. Did you know that? We'll hit that to begin with. Also, uh, think about uh, a culture of life versus a culture of death. What about countries like uh, um, the Netherlands promoting euthanasia for people with autism or intellectual disabilities? Where is the defense of life? It's like, no, just discard it so easily. I recognize that there are people that do suffer in this lifetime. We've all had some level of suffering, but promoting death I, I okay we got that how about baby food with heavy metals have they figured it out five years later we'll find out about that uh also um you know i've talked a lot about religious exemptions for things that, that do indeed violate your deeply held religious beliefs or convictions uh the question is when government gets involved and says well you have to validate your religious beliefs via you know list this out uh they're trying to monkey with the, with you uh in the district of criminals district of columbia Moms, dads, you don't have to participate in the way they say. Well, go to go, go to that as well. Uh, anything else you got in the chat room, come on over to robertscottbell.com slash listen or wherever you're watching us where we're not banned. Uh, come on in. Tell us where you're from. Say hello. Ask a question. And let's have a good time. Let's bring it, Super Don. Get ready. And I'll figure out what to say and how to say it after this. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. I sure hope I'm not glitching as badly as our opening video bed did today. That was kind of strange. Uh, anyway, welcome to The Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, do I, yeah, Super Don, do I need to talk in slow motion? Just be sure where everything's good. Uh, that we're going out to the world. Other than you know, I, I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Every once in a while, something happens yeah. with the file is we're, we're, we're playing there at the <laughs> beginning and it does that. So it should well, be fine know, now. I just, it's just, I don't know why it does that. Sometimes. It, it played it fast, but it wasn't like a chipmunk, you know, kind of, it didn't. No, and I monitored the feed and it, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a train wreck. So sorry guys. I don't know why it does that once in a while. This is super done every once in a while, <laughs> reminding us that we don't have the budget of Fox news and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're getting the word out and bringing the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you. Right. Oh, which, by the way, you know, the, the cardio miracle that you see there, uh, and if you haven't uh, integrated it, once again, back at it from the, you know, the trip last weekend, right into the gym on Monday, got the kickboxing thing done. And I thought this was going to be an interesting challenge of the week because it involved a front kick, a side kick, and a roundhouse kick on each side. And each time you went through those three kicks on one side, that was one. 
then move to the, you know, switching constantly for the whole three minutes to see how many I could get. And uh, I did, I got 61 in three minutes of a front side round kick. So it's a lot of kicking. And and for me, that was the thing that could get my heart rate up the most where I'd be in yellow zone but going, oh my gosh, this is really wicked. Uh, but dude, I slayed it right now. I'm in the lead. I'm even beating the women that are, you know, strong, look, you know, those legs. <laughs> Newsflash, Robert Scott Bell says he beats women. That's not what I meant. I heard no, that. No, I've got, we've got proof meant. now. That, yeah. Well, look, the, I got beaten by women <laughs> a couple of weeks ago on the challenge. So, okay, it all, it's all turnabout. Oh, but it's not your victim. Thing. I get it's, it. Okay. It's a, it's a challenge of the week. And in this case, you're, you're hitting the heavy bag or kicking the heavy bag. And uh, anyway, I looked at it I'm like, okay, again, cardio miracle. And I've added into the mix, of course, uh, uh, our friends from Nutritional Frontiers, the super creatine. And again, my baseline muscle uh, mass, body weight's going up. And as I said, I would never use creatine before because of the downside to it. And when we talked with Jamie Dorley a couple of weeks ago, uh, we went through that and he answered every bit of it in the formulation that they have. So I am putting it to the test. I'm very impressed. Those that are wanting to build muscle, uh, you can check out the super creatine from uh, Nutritional Frontiers. And they their code is RSB15 to get the discount, 15% off. Even when it goes on sale, uh, you can double dip. So anyway, thanks to that, Jamie. Appreciate you and appreciate, of course, John Hewlett and the family at CardioMiracle.com for uh, making possible at 57 what I couldn't do in my mid to late 20s. Uh, thrilled thrilled by that. Now, uh, as I said, we've got a, a new guest coming on. We're going to talk about some just strangeness in regards to so-called religious organizations, institutions, uh, maybe hospitals that claim a religious affiliation that would normally you'd consider their their belief system to be promoting of life and uh, appreciation of, 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 of gender that you're born into, uh, doing some strange things like uh, gender reassignment surgeries, as if you can just lop off body parts or uh, artificially create them uh, surgically, and that makes you something different than you were born uh, to be. Fascinating, but we got to cover it, and it's kind of disappointing as well in some of these institutions. But first and foremost, just a quick review of the uh, scamdemic we've all been through. Plandemic, you know, um, Mickey Willis put together uh, Plandemic 3, uh, The Great Awakening, uh, which was uh, really fantastic. And they bookended the uh, film, which is available for free online. You can watch this with our friend G. Edward Griffin. Uh, going back to the 1960s, maybe even longer than back, but footage of him talking about the real threats to American freedom, freedom that comes from God, uh, the rights that we get from God, not government, and the, the foundational principles of liberty here in this country. And what are the threats to it? And back then is what G. Edward Griffin was talking about, superimposed to today, basically. And it's the same threat, although it's it's couched and caged in a different way. But we have been warned by various uh, figures, political or otherwise, in our country that if we, uh, let's say, operate in fear, we operate in fear, then those in control of the knob, so to speak, of our fear will dial that up to help us to or relieve us of our belief that freedom is the best method to enjoy the greatest life possible. And we are being convinced through fear that freedom is too dangerous. It's it's the, really the cause of all our problems. And suddenly the, the great foundational principles of the United States of America, and I grant you that we have not lived up to all of those high ideals, but at the same time, you find another country that has come near as far as living even ever remotely to the ideals that our individual liberty comes to us because we are born, because we are created of a creator, God, not government. And that abandonment, of course, is the key to overcoming or overturning 
or uh, eliminating the main obstacle to global communist, yes, Marxist governance on the planet. It is these United States and the people in it that would embrace liberty and defend it at all costs rather than run roughshod over it or cheerlead as others in government run roughshod over it. How could they get us to do that? Well, they made us so scared. And I'm not talking about every one of you or me here, but that general concept of they, they frightened us so much that we abandoned. We abandoned freedom as a concept that was good and said, you know what? This is just too dangerous. This freedom thing, a virus is going to get us. And the virus that wasn't even made by God, but by man altered, if you will, these protein sequences and altered in terms of uh, what it led us to do, right? The initial phase of what they call COVID only killed old people with multiple comorbidities that were locked away like uh, Cuomo did in New York into, into kill centers, basically. And then the call for ventilators that... If, if anybody knows anything about these ventilators, uh, you know, four out of five people that go on them never come off. They die. Why do we need ventilators? Well, you know, only 80% of the people on them die. What, what kind of successful track record is that? You can go, yes, everybody needs a ventilator. And then we come to find out that those people with multiple comorbidities, including multiple medications that were vulnerable to anything and everything, were killed again iatrogenically by and large by the treatment. Maybe Herculean, you might want to give them credit for trying, but the things that they tried to do ultimately ended up killing them, arguably more efficiently than anything COVID, whatever that is, could have done or did do. And that is remdesivir, kidney-killing drugs, for instance. And then we come to find out, and this, you know, courtesy of Bobby Kennedy revealing this, although others knew it, that the entirety of the pandemic response was conducted as a Pentagon warfare-type operation and that even the manufacture of the mRNA uh, vaccines, so-called vaccines, were done through Pentagon research and or contracts, and it wasn't Pfizer and BioNTech that did this, or, or, or Moderna. They were given that which the Pentagon said, here, take this, and you put your label on it, and you'll go with it, and you'll be the makers of it and, and run with it. And so the entirety of the fear campaign was designed to get people to roll up their sleeves to accept an experimental genetic experiment. Because it's mRNA, synthetic mRNA that was reprogramming DNA, your DNA, to produce aberrant toxic proteins called spike proteins for the purpose of eliciting, as they say, an antibody response. And never mind that uh, previous incarnations of vaccines didn't involve mRNA directing your DNA to, pro to produce aberrant, abhorrent proteins that could be deadly, that has, has proven to be deadly going anywhere and everywhere, including the reproductive systems of both male and female, but the females particularly hammered hard as we saw the increase of uh, miscarriages and uh, now infertility on the rise even more than it was before. And so you want to talk about a successful warfare agenda, not with bullets, but with syringes and what's in those syringes that they frighten many of our friends or family members in America and much less around the world to accept because... Well, if you're not frightened enough, let me just put it to you this way. If you don't get the jab, you lose your job. If you don't get the jab, your lifelong desire to be in the United States military of any kind to serve and defend America, it's gone. Coast Guard, gone. You're out of here. Hey, you know what? You want to work in, in the healthcare arena, the healthcare sector, you're a doctor, you're a nurse or anybody, get the jab or your job is done. You're out of here. You're fired unceremoniously. Or uh, for those that uh, wanted to be able to travel, or maybe travel for work. If you didn't get the jab, you were done. How about kids, young kids in school, wanted to play sports, college, you wanted to go to college, done unless you get the jab. 
You want to talk about a criminal enterprises that a criminal enterprise that rises to the level of something that resulted in what was called the Nuremberg trials. That's it, folks. Nazi doctors didn't disappear totally from the face of the earth. They went underground and came out as these various pharmaceutical companies through, again, Pentagon and Department of Defense uh, uh, contracts. And so you got public health officials like uh, uh, Rochelle Walensky, Anthony Fauci, constantly, Peter Hotez, uh, Christian Drosten in Germany, all making false claims, claiming that we are the arbiters, or, or let's say not arbiters, but uh, purveyors of uh, misinformation, disinformation, and then they call it malinformation. How many times did I have to apologize for what I said regarding what this COVID thing was from the beginning all the way through to the middle to the end? I don't recall screwing up once, and if I did, Super Don, you can call me out on it. From the very first moment I, I learned that they were using PCR to determine that you had this so-called infection, I knew it was a scam because I had followed for decades the work of, for instance, uh, the developer of uh, the polymerase chain reaction test. Kerry Mullis, Nobel Prize winner, died strangely just before the COVID thing happened. And he said, you know, this test is not an appropriate technology to identify and determine the presence or absence of a causative agent, a pathogen, if you will, virus or otherwise, in any given disease, acute or chronic. That alone should have ended it right there. But no, no, no. They said, emergency use authorization. We got this PCR test. And most people were enamored with the technology and just kind of rolled over. Any critical thinking skills went away because in fear, you can't think clearly. In fear, you are controlled. You are manipulated by emotions, which, you know, I'm not speaking ill of emotions. They're part of who we are. But when they're manipulated into an existence to drive us headlong over a cliff into the needles of the pharmaceutical and Pentagon industrial complex, you know, we got military and medical industrial complex. Eisenhower warned us about the military one, but the medical one arguably is killing more people than the military one. And so this is becoming more and more obvious that this was, this was an attempt by a military industrial complex using the pharmaceutical one or vice versa to remove us from freedom or even remove us from life itself. As it becomes more obvious by the day that those that subjected themselves and fell prey to the fear propaganda and got the jabs are chronically ill in ways that they didn't know that they had the potential to be prior to that. And many are dying sudden deaths in adulthood and young, young people, sudden adult death syndrome. You've heard of that. How efficiently, if we read the art of war, would it be, to take over a country without firing one bullet simply by destroying the health of the people therein, by convincing them, by having them beg in fear for an intervention that would weaken them and or kill them. And then if you're an invading army, you just walk right in. You think I'm exaggerating? Look at the evidence of what's transpired here. Who benefits? Are we stronger as a nation by destroying our health? through a Pentagon-inspired injection, pretending to parade as a, a benevolent medicine that was given to you by free for free, except, of course, stolen by a taxpayer funds and the inflation at the Federal Reserve. Every dollar that you think you earn and spend were becoming worth less and less. You can never keep up with that. The hidden tax, an amoral tax, an immoral tax. Applying to, of course, the, the, the poorest among us and also whatever left of the middle class. So check out this article at Brownstone, read it up, and then we'll uh, carry on from here and uh, bring on our first guest of the day. Maybe our only guest of the day. 
Michael Hitchborn. And if you see, we've got him linked up in the show notes. It's uh, Lepanto I-N, Lepanto I-N, L-A-L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N.org. And you can learn about what this man's been doing. He's founder and president of the Lepanto Institute, as well as a public figure in the pro-life movement. And you can read about him, but I want to hear from him about what the heck is going on in terms of a, a culture of death that has emerged even from our religious institutions. Michael, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I'm glad to have you on. I mean, I'm sorry that we have to cover a topic that just is not not pleasant at all. But you are, uh, you know, called to do this for a, a very, I think, important reason. Maybe you can give us a little bit of the backstory that led you to this and and your institute. Sure, I. I'd been working for uh, a national pro-life organization, American Life League, for about seven and a half years. And while I was there, my job was to research organizations that were undermining the culture of life. You know, you've got Planned Parenthood, which is obvious, but then we were also looking into organizations like the National Right to Life, which you you wouldn't think that they were undermining the pro-life movement, but we had found opposition from them to personhood initiatives in various states because the time isn't right. So we were, you know, researching them and researching various other agencies. And somebody sent me a tip and said, you want, you might want to take a look at the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, which is a project of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So I started digging into CCHD. Uh, and what I found was that they were funding organizations that were actively working to undermine the culture of life. They were promoting abortion, contraception, homosexuality, Marxism, the whole gamut. And as I was looking into that, uh, we I, I discovered that I got a lot more pushback from the bishops than I ever expected, which, of course, made me wonder what else is being hidden. So I started looking into Catholic Relief Services, and I found a whole mess there. And, and what that did is it opened up a can of worms that was well beyond the scope of American Life League. And they said, look, um, this is beyond our mission. <laughs> You're kind of taking this to another, to another level, and we're not entirely sure that this really fits with what we're doing. So they gave me a choice. They said, you could either stick around and do something else, or you could take a severance and start your own thing. And after, after days of prayer... Uh, and discussion with my wife, we finally decided that, well, it's it's time for me to move on and that we have to start my own thing where I continue these investigations and I dive deeply into organizations that call themselves Catholic or Christian and help people to understand which ones are trustworthy and which ones aren't. How, do, how would you describe what I... I would determine to be an infiltration or is it that these organizations were always corrupt or did they become corrupted along the way to, to violate their very fundamental tenets or principles and in, in belief in life and defending life? Well, I think that they became corrupted because of a fundamental philosophical problem. And that fundamental philosophical problem is that charity is something that can be financed. You don't pay someone a job to do charitable works. That's a job. That's not charity. Um, If I'm walking through the streets and I see someone who's hungry and I buy him a sandwich and I give him a sandwich, that's charity. But to pay someone to go out and dig holes and to, you know, build roads and that kind of thing, those are social works. That's not charity. It's philanthropy. It's, uh, you know, it's it's working toward the common good, if you want to put it in those terms, but it's not charity, properly speaking. So the the twisting of the idea of charity where people have decided that, well, 
I can, I can be a good person by giving money to this charitable organization. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't give, but what I'm saying is that it's not necessarily charity. You're not earning the virtue of charity by engaging in this. Hmm. Uh, so as I was looking into these organizations and realizing that they have shifted their focus from simply doing the corporal works of mercy, they, they, they've become much more fixated on, well, what's my bottom line? How do I keep this industry going? And they take government grants. They, uh, they take foundation money. And a lot of times that money comes with strings attached. And because they have shifted their focus from actually doing the virtue of charity, they now see their work as a job where they have to build an industry and they have to build a business and they have to have a business model and do advertising and all that kind of stuff. So it's, they've, they've transformed charity into an industry and that's the fundamental problem. Do you think that that made them vulnerable? If let's say they had good intentions at the beginning to how do we grow this more than how do we support our belief in life and defense of life so that compromises are made because people offer money strings attached. You got to change your policy for instance. And then, yeah, here's the money. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, once you start putting money, as our Lord said, you can't serve both God and mammon. And that's exactly what these people are trying to do. They're trying to live in both worlds. Um, you know, if you want to be upfront about it and say, look, we are doing good works, but you know, we, we're, we're not actually a charity. We're just, a do-good organization that does this kind of stuff. And if you want to finance us, that's fine. If not, well, we'll get government grant money and they'll keep us keep us going. But please understand that the more government money we take, the more strings are going to be attached to our work. Hmm. So you've got just in the name of, let's say, Catholicism, which, you know, as far as I understand, it's, it has a very strict policy that's anti-abortion because it's pro-life. It doesn't want to terminate the life of a baby inside mommy that's growing. Right. And yet you have uh, Catholic hospitals uh, and these charities actually promoting things that would be the opposite of that defense of life, you know, and also the strangeness of uh, children who haven't had an opportunity to become an adult to kind of make decisions that are really grave in terms of irreparable irreversible, like altering your body through surgery, surgery, much less becoming reliant upon synthetic drugs, hormones, et cetera, that are also carcinogenic that can cause them great harm as they move forward in life. Uh, and they're promoting and actually allowing these procedures to uh, happen in their own facilities and hospitals. Again, this seems to be so far beyond even just, well, we're a little bit off because we're not a charity anymore to now we're violently opposed to our initial belief system and promoting right. that. Yeah, no, that's exactly what's happening. And, um, you know, with the hospital systems, there is an ideological problem because as, as an institution, they are hiring people who are not specifically Catholic. They're hiring individuals who come from the medical field. They have experience in administration. They, but they're not necessarily ideologically attached to what the church teaches. They're just good administrators or they're just a good face for an organization. And, you know, they sign a document that says, oh, we're going to go along with this common system of beliefs between us and the Catholic Church. But that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it just because you signed a piece of paper doesn't mean that you're now ideologically driven to remain in, in focus with Catholic teaching. Uh, 
so these administrators, they get in there. Yeah, there's a level of infiltration. Um, but the, the institution itself is broken because there is a, a huge financial incentive right now to indoctrinate kids in transgender ideologies, to get parents on board with transitioning their children, and to actually perform these butchering op operations where they're destroying healthy reproductive systems. So uh, the, the report here, and we have it linked up in the show notes. If you haven't checked this out, y'all, at the Lepanto Institute, Lepanto, I-N, for institute.org, uh, its largest Catholic health network performs sex change operations. Again, this is pure butchery uh, on children. It's one thing, and we've delineated this, even if I would oppose this as a, as a concept, I don't think it's a good idea for anybody, but hey, if you're an adult above the age of majority and you want to make a decision, you have the capacity to do so, I'm a freedom guy. I might try to dissuade you because my belief's different, but I'm not going to violently stop you. But when it comes to kids, to me, that is uh, an extraordinary violation of the fundamental allowance of children to, to grow up to become adults and then exert their free will or their agency that God gave them. But we have a a duty to protect these children until that point uh, to not, you know, allow or promote things that, again, irreversible, and they don't have the concept of what this really means. Well, with regard to children, yeah, I've got eight kids. So uh, my kids can't even figure out if they want to go inside, stay inside or go outside and play. Uh, they'll, they'll sit there and argue about it for hours. But the, um, the fact of the matter is, yes, these hospital systems are preying on children, but they're also preying on mentally ill people. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to keep that in mind too. Anybody who believes to the point of performing surgery on their bodies, that they belong in a different body and that science and, and medicine can somehow transform them into something else, that's somebody who is completely and totally mentally ill. And it is absolutely unscrupulous and it should be criminal for any doctor to perform any act that would completely alter their physiology to such a degree that they would appear to be a member of the opposite sex. These are irreversible surgeries. And these doctors are preying on mentally ill people for a profit. And it's disgusting. Or inducing mental illness through a lot of uh, uh, Absolutely. techniques uh, that cause confusion where there wasn't any or maybe minimal, but not resulting in something like this. We, you know, we've often brought up the case of, you know, when we were kids and some of the girls that we knew that I knew were tomboys. Yeah. There was never, ever a thought of, oh, maybe you should surgically alter yourself and become a boy. There was no, no parent in the world said, oh, I think that, uh, yeah, my, my little girl's very athletic and is like a tomboy. Maybe we should just train. No, that was not part of anything. This is an artificial construct. Now, some of it could be arguable, argued for profit motive, right? Because the, uh, the surgery is very expensive, very profitable if you can get it covered by third-party payers. Not many people have the money to pay for this out of a pocket. Uh, but now we've got surgical centers popping up to the tune of hundreds and hundreds, and the amount of money going into the billions in terms of where it never went before in terms of modern medicine profitability and surgical centers. Right. And they're not even healing people. They're, they're, they're destroying healthy body parts. You know, the, the first line of the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. So any doctor who has taken the, the Hippocratic Oath would be violating that oath immediately upon the first scrape of the scalpel in, in performing any of these surgeries. They're, they're, I mean, they're removing young girls' breasts. Uh, they're putting the, the, the whole idea of puberty blockers, for instance. 
they say, well, it just puts puberty on pause while the child is trying to discern and figure things out for themselves. That's nonsense. What it does is it ruins their, their reproductive organs because it completely halts the process of, of the development of their reproductive organs and they can't get that back. They can't get that time back. They can't get that development back. And it's not just a physical development. It's also a mental and a spiritual development as well. And what the, the, it's, it's absolutely ruining kids and, and they're sterilizing the kids in the process. Hmm. What does this say uh, in, in your experience and opinion? I have mine about modern medicine and the doctors that conduct it. I'm not indicting every doctor. That's, you know, I'm not saying that. But the profession as a whole, where are those good doctors speaking out? you know, overtly going, this is just plain wrong, as opposed to silently watching it. And I don't want to say anything. I might get in trouble or somebody might cancel me or any number of things. It's like, where is right and wrong here? Where, where has medicine gone wrong to embrace this and not just drum it out of their profession? You know, there was a time when the uh, village people would have picked up pitchforks and torches and approached uh, Castle Frankenstein to uh, tell Frankenstein what you're doing is, is an abomination. But now we have an entire system of Frankensteins mm -hmm. and no one is willing to stand up, especially from within the profession. Why? Because they, they have a financial incentive not to speak. I mean, the, the common spirit report that we put out showed all kinds of pictures of the doctors wearing rainbow masks and having they were participating in the pride parades and they were the whole network of their hospitals were talking about how they're so affirming of of these gender ideologies and this sexual orientation nonsense they are all participating in the sexual fantasies of people who who don't even know how to discern reality hmm. and they're trying to perform these surgeries in order to conform them to this this fantasy it's it's crazy can we move beyond the, the the strange worshipfulness of the physicians within any given, uh, you know, if you go to church, a synagogue, mosque, temple, whatever? The, and I remember growing up in the Jewish faith and, and, you know, praising the doctors. Oh, the doctors here in our congregation, they're saving lives. It's like there was really a, an inordinate amount of praise, I think, placating more ego than it was in terms of a, a godly pursuit, recognizing our you know humbleness before something that's far larger and greater and smarter than all doctors put together. And and, and could this be somewhat of an end result of uh, false idolatry in terms of, uh, you know, certain professions being, you know, elevated and exalted above uh, uh, even God in a sense. And we've talked about the God complex that many in the physician community have. Again, I'm not indicting everybody. But certainly those that would go in and butcher children in this way, uh, this is anything but godly. And I, I feel com very comfortable saying that. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. When, when we look at, um, I mean, as a Catholic, I, I look at scripture and I see, okay, St. Luke, he was a physician. What did he do? He healed people. He understood the physical healing art better than any of the apostles, which is why he focused so much on certain aspects of Jesus's healing ministry. When he went out and he performed miracles, healing miracles, he knew what it meant to have a withered hand or what it meant to be lame in the legs. He knew that those individuals would not, could not have the ability to stand up and walk or to, to have the strength in their arms to do things. Um, but he witnessed these miracles. So as a testament to the veracity of those miracles, because he was a physician, he has a certain standing to be able to speak on these matters. When, when our Lord healed people, 
he did so in a complete way. These physicians have elevated themselves to the point of new Christs. They are a worldly form of Christ, and they have made their own religion out of medicine. So instead of healing people for the sake of developing souls for salvation, now we're talking about healing people so that we can eliminate death and eliminate suffering, because suffering is now the biggest sin on the planet, according to them. Well, and I, I've experienced suffering in my life, and I think everybody has, and it's not me to say mine's worse or better than anybody else's, but I've also come to appreciate that it is the suffering I went through in my young life and my adult years that led me to be who I am today, to learn what I am and to motivate me to learn and to, to you know humble myself before a creator that's, again, way smarter than me as a homeopath, you know, and a different kind of doctor, if you will, I think more in line with the, the natural order of the universe that is supportive of life, not one that poisons people back to health as if that can be done. Well, he created us, so he ought to know how to fix us. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> uh, you know, my message to all physicians, doctors of any kind out there is your job is not to find the right remedy for your patients. It's to reconnect them to the source of all healing and recognize and acknowledge their divinity, because that's from the source where all healing is derived. That's where it comes from. Now, how it's utilized from there is directed by that which knows more than all of us. And I'm not diminishing certain skill sets people learn and they do things. But my gosh, if you're not connected to that you know, form of communication that can guide us to know even when we know mentally, oh, what's right. And then God's given us a message. It's like, well, uh, that, if you do that right now, you'll kill your patient. But, but, but no, wait, that I've been trained this way, but no, there's something else going on that you don't know. You don't see that's beyond the training of your medical school. And that's where we have, unfortunately, uh, you know, the rise of a lot of atheistic uh, type doctors, so-called scientists that do not have a connection to that. That concerns me, even if they're very skilled at what they do as surgeons. Well, let's take it to another level. And, and you know, going back to scripture, this goes back to the Old Testament, where in the book of Isaiah, we read that Lucifer said to himself that I will rise to the heights of the heavens. I will become like God. Now think about that phrase. I will become. It's a, it's a statement of transition. He's saying, I am not this now but I can become something that I am not. It's, it's this ontological belief that you can change your own nature. So Lucifer, in a very real sense, was the first trans being, as it were. Well, what did he do? He got kicked out of heaven. So he went to Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he told her the same lie. He said, oh, if you eat that fruit, you're not going to die. Your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God's plural, lowercase g. He couldn't tell her that she'd become like God because she already knew she was created in the image and likeness of God. So he was telling her, no, you'll become like one of us. So now when we look at the trans movement, what do we see? We see people dressed up in the most demonic outfits that you can possibly imagine because they have, in a sense, become like gods. They have attempted to change their nature and now they reflect that. When, when I, uh, urge people to reconnect to the source of all healing and divinity. That is their divinity to connect with God. And I realize people have perspectives on how to do that. It's not me directing them, but just to say, hey, there's something very special about you. And it's not that Luciferian capacity to butcher children, for instance. And I say, how could a doctor do this? And I'm thinking they have to be so disconnected from God because otherwise you'd get a message to say, this is so obviously wrong that you would stop immediately and go, my gosh, I'm sorry, this is, I don't know what happened, this is the, the worst, and please forgive me, as opposed to embracing and promoting and finding ways to deceive people and children into this 
again, uh, alteration via butchery. And the doctors are the deliverers at this point. What can I say? If I try to be nice to doctors in a general sense, it's difficult when I find individual doctors of integrity and, and, and connection. Yeah, that's not a problem. But the profession itself is so far beyond, I think, remediation that there are many doctors I've talked to that have a p- perspective or belief li- similar to ours. They're saying, I can no longer function within that. I've got to find a separate way to take my skills to help people and not hurt them. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it it comes down to uh, reestablishing why we exist. You know, why do we why did God make us? Well, God made us. And it's it's, again, very clear in, in Scripture. It says my delights are to be with the children of men. Our Lord wants to be with us. He wants he created us in his image and likeness because he he loves himself in us and us in himself. So there is that reciprocal relationship between man and God that God truly desires. But when we rebel by saying, I reject what you made in me and I reject what you made in others. Now you're telling God that I know better than the created universe, uh, what, how things really ought to be. And, and, you know, any child or any parent knows that when their child comes and says, yeah, I can do it better than you, uh, Sometimes you sit back and you just let it happen and, yeah. and see how badly they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know, you know, I've uh, got two kids and almost one is not a kid anymore. And my other is an adult, 23. My daughter's about to be 18. Um, you know, I recognize and I've tried to prepare them that, look, we have done our best to teach you what we believe is, is right and correct. And recognizing one day you'll be an adult and you'll have to make decisions on your own that you have the capacity and tools to do that and also find out. You know, if you're not sure what is right, what is wrong, you know, what are the methods by which you can reconnect to that? You know, and for the, or some, it could be reading and, 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 and practicing, you know, the religious texts and beliefs and other things. And, you know, others, uh, again, just simple, if, if they're not particularly religious in any particular way, finding a way to give back. You talked about the concept of charity, giving service to others. It's like if anybody's depressed and not feeling good about themselves, if they would just do something nice for someone, it's an amazing immediate impact on self-worth, et cetera. You know, there are so many ways to, to, to do better. And we're in, in this time, uh, Michael, where it's just so bizarre when we talk about legacy or mainstream media promotion of these agendas. And there's very little, if any, any coverage of things of here, people are doing good things and nice things for others and, and helping and serving. And again, real charity, true charity, which doesn't come at the, p- the point of a gun or via theft taking from you and saying, I'm going to give it to somebody else by a force. Uh, that's something is also is lost for those that think government can deliver charity, much less these so-called private institutions that have gained 501c3 status by, per- I always say, subjugating themselves to government uh, uh, rule, if you will. And in and, and religions, according to the Constitution, going back to the Declaration of Independence, are already considered to be nonprofit, you know, religious institutions that don't require special permission slips from the government to be and right. do what they do. No, oh, that's right. That's right. It's uh, there, There's a shell game going on between the, uh, the medical industry, the federal government, and private foundations. And that shell game is it's changing the ideologies of medicine itself. They're saying that humanity is not necessarily something to be healed, but a problem on the earth to be solved. And so they're shifting things around and, and 
all of this stuff, the, the transgender stuff, the surgical sterilizations, the, the push for abortion, contraception, all of that is built around the idea of population control. They want to call the herd. They want to make sure that we have a smaller population that is easier to control and manipulate so that they can have an elite class that can control the lower class to do with what they please. Yeah. Now, in terms of strategy, I look at what happened uh, during the COVID craziness. And, you know, I've been on the air for 24 years now and warning folks that your fear of germs is your vulnerability and they will exploit it. And they did. And then it turns out, though, that the vast majority of people that fell prey to the propaganda, the fear to get the jabs that are taking themselves out of the life chain or diminishing their ability to have the life force flow through them because of the damage to their physical temples uh, are the people that you would think that the elites would want to have around because they just obey. They're easier to control and manipulate. What's left behind are those of us who said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we ain't never complying. Sorry for the poor English, but you know what I mean. Uh, we're going to, we're going to put a stop to this. So I don't know if they've miscalculated, uh, but those folks that they have targeted for harm, are not the folks that would uh, probably rise up against them. And so I think that they have made a mistake and they've woken up the sleeping giant of people that really do have a connection to God and just wanted to be left alone, you know, really believed in freedom like God gave us and said, look, I may disagree with how you live, but as long as you don't harm me or my children, we can, you know, we can coexist, so to speak. But now they've crossed that line because they are directly harming the children. And yep. at that point, you know, even people that have leaned a certain way that we thought wasn't that are, are also going, no, that's I didn't sign up for that. I don't believe in that. So I think things are shifting a bit, but it's getting dark before it gets light again. No, it, and, and things have to get it, we have to hit bottom barrel before everything's going to turn around. I think that um, the elites have gained so much control at all of the choke points to such a degree that everything has to bottom out before we're going to be able to climb back up to the surface. Yeah. And that's the thing about uh, healing as well, Michael, when people have come to me, see me to help, to get help, right. I'm also often the last resort because they don't know about homeopathy. Like I didn't, I grew up with natural medicine. No, I didn't. I grew up with allopathic pharmaceutical medicine. It was a medical family. So everything that was real medicine was only that. And it turns out they poisoned me throughout my young life to the point where I was, chronically ill, devastatingly ill as a young person, and only found my way out by going back to the natural world, creation and the medicine of creation, even that is written in the Bible, all of these things, utilized that and found health that I didn't even have as a child. Uh, and, and, and so to your point of bottoming out, what is that level for everybody? It might be different. For me, I could see the roadmap ahead and it was filled with cancer and death and degeneration in my, maybe if I made it to 40, when I figured this out in my twenties. And so I made a concerted effort to say, God, tell me what to do, show me what to do and send me whatever. And I was open to it enough to make those changes to, to benefit from that. And in this case, somebody that was similarly ill than me might not start the change until they are diagnosed with cancer and on death's door. You know, and that's the freedom we've all been given. I, I urge people, don't wait. It's a lot harder to recover your health when you're that far gone as opposed to starting to see, you know, you do this. This is what manifests. And it's like people are, are wanting to perceive that they're victims. They've been convinced by these these entities that they're victims, that they have no control over their own health and life. Therefore, just at the 11th hour, the doctor will save them as if the doctors are all Christ. Right. And just like you talked about the uh, the illusion or as i mentioned the the idol worship idolatry of doctors 
uh, that has corrupted our thinking over the course of the 20th century. We became enamored with technology and medicine to the abandonment of that which is really immortal and timeless, that connection to the source of all healing once again. It's funny. I, growing up, I was a huge fan of science fiction. And I just remember watching all these shows where they made science into such an idol. You know, it was like, oh, the science this and the science that. And even the 1950s science fiction movies, who did they turn to for the solution to the giant monster that was invading? Oh, they have to have the local scientist analyze their bone structure and analyze this and analyze that. And it was the scientist who was going to come up with the solution. Mm -hmm. And I realized as a kid, I was like, they have turned these scientists into priests. Yes. yes. That's what the, that's exactly what's going on. And yeah. that's where we are headed now. Yeah, you're so right. The, the, we call them the priestcraft and the church of pharmaceutical mysticism. That they are operating within a cult or a, a false religion. And again, you have the freedom to believe what you want out there, right? I, I'm not playing God telling you what to believe. I'm trying to be an inspiration and being inspired by people like Michael that are stepping out and, you know, trying to say, hey, hello, wow, look at this, right? And it's like suddenly the veil might be lifted and you can actually see through it. And, you know, mentioned science fiction. You know, what was the movie of our youth that really was so oh, next level amazing? It was the original Star Wars yep. because it wasn't the technology, even though it was a lot of cool technology. They were being guided by a force, a spiritual force. And it, and it really spoke to so many of us growing up at a time with great technological advancements. And it went into mythical levels of, a, you know, a spiritual connection in all things. <laughs> There's even been religions like in England. Uh, the Jedi is an officially recognized religion. Right. Now, wherever people take it, I thought I think many people were inspired, and I hope so, to look into their own path, their own spiritual path, and realize there's just such extraordinary, uh, you know, the miracles of of reality beyond technology that uh, you know can can kind of maybe get us away from the worship of that which is false that could be used as tools, but then you put them in a godlike status, then suddenly they become problematic. Well, and once you put them in a godlike status, they start doing exactly what you would expect somebody in that situation to do. They start playing God. And that's where they start doing the genetic manipulation and the the, the hormone treatments in order to make you look like a, a member of the opposite sex. You know, how long is it going to be before they start trying to monkey with our genes to the point of making us look like different animals? Well, it, arguably, they've been doing this chimeric type experimentation for a long time and, uh, some have argued that even the COVID uh, injections they call vaccines are part of that agenda as well. They're altering our humanity because they certainly are altering our genetic integrity. And that's right. altered as well through genetic modification of food. But now they want to go direct by injection to alter us. And I think, again, an abomination is not a too strong a word. If anything, if there's a stronger word, I'd use it uh, in this case. Now, uh, coming back to some of the positives, we're heading into uh, the Independence Day week in America, and I and I, you know, I say this, uh, appealing to the highest ideals of those of you who love America still, and those who are on the fence, going, I'm not sure. Why is America the most extraordinary country in recorded history? Because it had a first starting point of a recognition that our rights come from God, not government, and it was to uh, develop or or write into a constitution, a form of government that would be extraordinarily limited. That would provide for the maximization of freedom, including and especially religious and or spiritual freedom, and that we could do extraordinary things when left uh, to our own accords and our connections and our convictions. And that is the high ideal I'd appeal to in this Independence Day, which is maybe lost on so many coming up. 
And, uh, you know, I love to celebrate. This is my favorite holiday, but it's also one of those holidays where I'm very disappointed because people think it's only about fireworks and drinking beer and cooking out. And just like, you know, those that celebrate Christmas, what is that really about? Buying gifts at retail or is it something else? Uh, trying to get to the heart of the meaning of it. I, I want to say you're in Virginia, Michael, we learned. And my good friend Jonathan Emord is also in Virginia. And he's got a great big celebration coming up. Super Don, I sent you the link if you can open it up. A 4th of July celebration. For those of you in Virginia, uh, it's going to be, let's see, uh, looks like at the home of Jonathan and Cheryl Emord. So those of you who want to support Jonathan in Clifton, Virginia. Uh, and there's also, uh, uh, I think, Ida Lee Park in Leesburg, Virginia, on Tuesday, July 4th. There'll be a celebration in the morning and a parade and everything. If you guys want to check out Jonathan Emore and connect with him, and for the people in the Commonwealth of Virginia and also for all of us in America to have someone of uh, the integrity of Jonathan Emore, who's uh, a constitutional attorney who's beaten the FDA back a world record eight times, uh, to get together and connect and celebrate what is good about America, not uh, in a pious manner at all, but in a deeply... Uh, you know, reverent a manner. We understand the, the the deep responsibility we've been left with by those who left us with a land that potentially could be free, and yet we are struggling now mightily to find our way back. And uh, so Jonathan E. Moore is hosting a July 4th event at his place. If you guys are in Virginia, I'd encourage you to go, and I'd love to get Michael, you and Jonathan together. I think it would be dynamic. Uh, there's so much alignment here, what's happening. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to. I have to... Uh check with my wife and family, but I think that this would be something that uh, we would absolutely love to attend. Oh, I, I absolutely good. I like connecting good people with good people, people that have a, a, you know, a spiritual basis for understanding why freedom is the best way to move through life and how, yes, in freedom, we are also free to screw up and do bad things. But the things that I've screwed up on are the, the greatest lessons I've had in this lifetime to direct me in, to, back to where I think it's so very important in alignment with that which created us all. So uh, I'm grateful for the freedom that God granted me. I am not uh, uh, someone who thinks that, uh, well, because it, if you have freedom, you will do something bad or wrong. Look, in the absence of freedom, what we're seeing is the rise of all the wrong things, including, again, butchering children like this. Uh, they don't want you to be free to speak out against it even, as we have been banned and deplatformed on numerous uh, platforms because our perspective on this and, and COVID and other things don't align with the woke agenda of Marxist uh, communists that want to take over the world. Well, let's face it. Freedom also means being allowed to have full knowledge of the consequences of your actions. Mm -hmm. So if, if you want to talk about freedom, freedom with regard to abortion, well, abortion kills a baby. Uh, freedom with regard to the act of transforming one's gen, you know, going through sex change operation, though you have the freedom, you should have the freedom to know, look, this is irreversible surgery that is going to cause scarring forever. There is nothing they can do to fix this once it's done. Uh, surgical sterilizations, the same thing. Uh, if you commit murder, well, you commit murder, you're going to prison. Those are the consequences. I think that real freedom means giving everybody full information, but that's something that the woke elite does not want us to have. Yeah, you're right. Well, this concept of fully informed consent or informed consent, again, coming out of, uh, you know, the, the tragedies of, of Nazi Germany, the evil that men visited upon men, women and children and people who, you know, were not of sound mind and body, whether they were mentally challenged or otherwise or crippled in some way, they were eliminated. And this kind of uh, eugenicist agenda is still unfortunately alive and well among 
uh, many people. In fact, there's a story about uh, ending the lives of uh, people with autism in, in the Netherlands. I've got to cover uh, next hour as well. So the uh, the removal from uh, the defense of life or the or believing in the value of life is has been an agenda that didn't happen like this. If we're looking, you woke up today and went, how did this happen? It's like, this is a long time. Even Jonathan Emord's book about the era of progressivism in the 19th century to today, how it transitioned this idea of rights from God, then privileges from government, and how many otherwise good people have been duped into believing that. They've lost their way. And so we've got to regain an ability to communicate with our kids, the next generation, that, uh, you know, how this happened, how we got here. Uh, which is another reason why I didn't enjoy history in my government indoctrination centers, a.k.a. public schools I went to when I was growing up, because it was about citations of date, times, and places with no causal connection between these things. So I could be manipulated to believe that these were all random acts, they have nothing to do, and you could be manipulated into anything in the present and future based on that kind of learning. Well, you know, the, uh, the current situation didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened because we had indoctrination centers called public schools uh, all over the country with a certain agenda. Just read anything about Horace Greeley or any, you know, the, the founders of modern education. These guys had an agenda for changing the American landscape by indoctrinating children in a particular way of thinking that would make them useful automatons for society, but not true citizens. They didn't want citizens. So, you know, I, I got my master's in education, so I understand exactly what their agenda was, what they were trying to do. There's a, a statement that was made by a psychologist uh, at the graduation of um, clinical psychologists. I think it was at Harvard uh, in 1971. And he said he was telling these these psychiatrists and psychologists that their job is to experiment on the minds of the youth. And I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but mm. you start to think about why do they call it Generation X? Mm. Oh, X for experiment. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, we were definitely experimented upon. Some of us uh, suffered more than others. And I describe my experience as the canary in the coal mine of the generation that now is commonplace among generations Y, Z, and whatever comes next. Mm -hmm. uh, we've corrupted their health before they even had a chance. And uh, what we try to do here is help you regain it or even better, protecting them from ever being damaged in the way that the allopathic medical monopoly has engaged in through experimental injections. And now these experimental surgeries, if I can call them that, where you're manipulating and mutilating. And as you point out, irreversibly harming and then making them permanently rely upon synthetic hormones and other things that are all carcinogenic. So to create cancers. Right. Well, they're not, with regard to the transgender stuff, it's all Mengele stuff. You know, I, I tell people in 1945, Germany lost the war, but the Nazis won. And they, they get kind of confused by that. And I said, look what happened right after the war. You had Operation Paperclip, where they brought a bunch of Nazi scientists to get into American industries. And they brought over a bunch of Nazi SS officers to get into the CIA. Uh, it's all documented. You can look at the records. It's right there. Um, through Operation Paperclip, they th these Nazi scientists then started influencing the medical industry. IG Farben, the company that makes the, the abortion drug, RU486, is the same company that created Zyklon B, the gas that yeah. they were using to exterminate Jews. Yeah. So 
did, did the Germans lose World War II? Absolutely. Did the Nazis lose? I don't think so. Yeah, that's a very good distinction. You know, I've called IG Farben and, and uh, you know, those that have uh, uh, em emerged since then as the demon spawn of IG Farben. You know, the you things bet. that they did, the visited, the atrocities, the evil that existed then has not gone away, even if Germany, the country, was defeated. You point the, about the ideology still alive and well again, unfortunately. And, and who are the deliverers of this? The allopathic physicians. That community needs to repent and figure out if it's really for life, you know, yeah. supporting health, or if it's about, you know, butchery, mayhem, destruction, and induction of death. Ah, oh, man, Michael Hitchborn, so nice to connect with you. I appreciate all that you're doing. How can people support your efforts? Again, we have your websites connected in the show notes, uh, Lepanto Institute. It's lepantoin.org. Uh, and what can people do to support you? Well, first and foremost, sign up for our newsletter. We have a weekly newsletter. It goes out every Friday. We talk about all kinds of things that are going on in the culture. And I help. Well, basically, the point of the newsletter is to try to help you navigate the craziness of the modern world. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the newsletter, uh, we have a, a weekly video program called The Anchor Team, where I do a video interview kind of like this, except in reverse. Uh, and we talk about all sorts of different topics that are of interest to our to our uh, our, our group. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you'd like to make a donation, lepantoin.org forward slash donate. Uh, we conduct all kinds of investigations. You can look at our charity reports list and see the different charities that we have rated, uh, either safe or not safe, depending upon whether they are promoting abortion, contraception, homosexuality, or Marxism. Uh, and I, I highly encourage you to use that list to see if the charitable organizations that you are giving money to are acting in line with the, the ideologies of the church. Or, yeah, or, or what you perceive they were they were because they were aligned with the church again that's right it's, yeah it's a, it's a nasty wake-up call when you like to believe the best of these institutions but recognize they're made up of infallible men and women uh who are vulnerable to the things of of the world which we all are and how do we navigate it and uh, part of it is pointing out when it's uh when it's being corrupted when it's being violated and uh, thank you for doing what you're doing to spotlight this. And uh, uh, if, if I may be so bold, I, I want to connect you with Jonathan Emord when we're off the air and share your contact because I think it would be a wonderful connection in Virginia for you guys to connect. Absolutely. Please do. All right. Michael Hitchborn. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for being on board. You're welcome anytime. Uh, I know these are not such nice subjects to have to cover, but uh, my gosh, they're not being covered in a way that can give you perspective and empowerment to make a change for the better, to help protect these innocent children from being manipulated into things that they know not, you know, don't have the understanding of, much less the consequences. And even many adults, to your point, they don't really know the depth of the decisions they're making and what, what, what it means afterwards. So thank you for bringing that out as well. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right, Michael, thank you. we got a whole other hour of broadcast healing here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you'd like to chime in in the various chat rooms or sign up to become a, a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show, we have our AMA, our Zoom AMA, so we get to see one another, and that's happening this Saturday, July the 1st at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You still have time to become a supporter in that way and get all kinds of bonus fun stuff and uh, connect with us in that way too. So thank you again. Thank you to Michael Hitchborn as well, and God bless you all for being here. we got a a lot more to do in the next hour of the show. Tell your friends we are on the air right now live. RobertScottBell.com slash listen where the power to heal is yours.
Oh, well, some wacky video uh, feeds today, Super Don. I don't know. Even with the reboot, just a uh, bizarre X-Files level. Inter- you know, I checked on it when it first started playing and everything was going fine. And then, then you sent me the message. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I just don't, don't know. Don't you love it when you don't know what's going on? I mean, I'm not doing anything different than I was doing yesterday, the day before that. The great mysteries of, uh, this is a technological, you know, mythology, you know, is trying to figure this stuff out sometimes. Yeah. And it should make sense, and it doesn't always. But thank you all for bearing with us in that. I think the content of the show was fine, although I, I did get a message from Susie said, uh, my levels, again, were lower <laughs> than the than the, the guest. I don't know what I got to do to process this microphone. Maybe we can figure that out. Uh, a little uh, bit. Up. I think the yeah. guess was just the 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 level was higher, a little hotter. It's um, yeah. I don't always kiss it. Uh, whatever. I'm fired. No, there you go. We can't do that. Bye. Well, you just not been sleeping well. That's it. I gotta find. I slept pretty good last night, actually. Did you? Oh, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah. I really am. It's wow. it's uh, quality of sleep is much better because we got a new bed. Yes. Um. And beds can be expensive, dude. I'm glad you don't have to buy them that often. Because oh, that's like ridiculous, man! Going like into the a furniture store and be, yeah, you because know, I've never, I don't think I've ever bought. Well, mm-hmm. okay, that's not true. I, I did buy it. Like the last bed that I bought, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't cheap. It was like I was like four hundred dollars or something like that. And to me, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money, right? Yeah, having no experience with with beds. Where is it gone? So oh, we gosh. we were. In, I don't know. It's been what a couple of weeks now. Went and mm-hmm. bought a new bed. Yeah. Lori, Lori says, what's sleep? Yeah, yes. no, I, I, I understand that. I get it. Yeah. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've noticed, you know what? Sleep is way more important. I'm not as, as, as durable as I used to be. Right. Um, and it, I've noticed that it's been taking a toll on me. So I was like, Hey, let's, you know, tell my wife, we're going to go buy a new bed. As yeah. we walk into the place and it's, it's just shock. like, <laughs> You, you want you want both of my arms and one of my legs? I mean, really, dude. Holy you know, you moly! Think about uh, like expenditures, and I know you you we're very conservative in the stuff we get. I usually buy stuff used. It's just that my nature is like, why would I pay more for something that's the same quality when you can get it? You know that kind of concept. Now, some right. would say, "Well, you must be cheap." No, I'm just thinking of the using the resources more efficiently. That's all. If I can repurpose them now, a bed is not something I recommend repurposing. That is a used bed, unless yeah. it's the frame. The frame's fine, right? The frame is no, fine. Yeah. No, there's no issue there. But telling you, like even buying a bicycle, right? I, I would really, you know, one of my bucket list things. I said, call it that. That's not what I mean. But a carbon fiber mountain bike, because you know, since I've been riding out here in the big mountains, it's like it makes a huge difference. Aluminum is light, but not nearly like carbon fiber. And, and, you know, so I've been riding occasionally with my, with my buddy and he has an extra one like his son had and he's, you know, whatever. So I'm using it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You go to look at even for used ones. I mean, at least a couple of grand. Yeah. I mean, I remember when you could buy a, 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 a steel Huffy bike, you know, what was it 20 bucks or something? So it's well, partly the bed that we walked in there wanting to get. Mm-hmm. Was over four thousand dollars. Yeah, no, like I said, you used to buy a car for that. <laughs> I was like, "What? Yeah, holy moly!" So we we obviously didn't spend four thousand dollars on a bed, but yeah, it, it was a good chunk of money that we spent. And so Man. the sleep quality mm-hmm. much better. Yeah, because not only did we get a, a better bed, but we got a bigger bed too. Because we are we have our dogs asleep with us. You and your silly dogs. We had a queen size. Yeah. 
I can't yeah. even let the cat sleep with us. It's like that's too disruptive. You wake up, you got a dog foot in your eyeball. I don't know you know, how it's like so we got yeah. the bigger bed, quality's yeah. better. Now I'm just working on trying to get more quantity. Yes. And then I think I think I'll be all right. Well, if you think about the time spent in bed, hopefully sleeping, and you you can then justify the the expense, you know, which is a lot, and also that you don't have to buy them thankfully every year or anything like that if you take care of them. But Wow. Yeah. It just shows again, the federal reserve note value dropping as well as other things. Uh, but, uh, you know, certain areas where I'd go, yeah, I, I would need to spend that for that level of quality. So when I say that I am like looking for a good deal, I, there's nothing wrong with everybody looking for a good deal. I, that's why I love getting discounts for everybody on the things we utilize and promote here on the Robert G. I. Bell show, but I'm not compromising quality. You know, some people would come, well, Hey, I bought this other form of chromium. I'm like, dude, that chromium is crap. And yes, it's cheap, but it, you ain't going to get much benefit out of it anyway. And, and so in context of uh, value, sometimes the cheapest, a lot of times is not the best, but sometimes the most expensive is not the best either. So doing your homework on all of these things and finding out what really is worth the what expenditure. Uh, and yes, when it comes to a bed, I don't recommend skimping on that. You're right. Brought to you by, oh no. Yeah, so we don't not have a commercial. We're not really, promoting not a bed. No. Uh, we I did notice that you had run um, the relaxed sauna uh, little commercial, which is yeah. cool. We're reconnecting with Phil. We don't have access to the Synergy sauna anymore, and even my buddy Paul is going, yeah, the rack sauna. So uh, that's what I've also used side by side. I've used both over the years, and I'm gonna. I have to bring the relaxed sauna down so everybody can see what it is. But I think you have linked up. It's relaxsaunas.com. Is that right? That's correct. And you can get 100 per, 100 bucks off. I say 100% off. No, it's 100 bucks off <laughs> with the code RSB. So if you use RSB, you get 100 bucks off the Relax Sauna. And uh, we'll we'll be talking more about that. We'll get Phil on again. It's been a while. But uh, over the years, that we've we've been friends for a long time. I've known him for so long. So um, those of you who are interested in the far infrared portable, you can move them from room to room. You can store them flat under a bed when you're done. Whatever. It's It's great. So that's cool. Now, what else we got to cover this hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show? Um, I know we've got a Canadian story. Is that where we're going to jump jump off into? Uh, uh, sure. We can yeah. do that. Uh, look, we got a, Cana- a lot of Canadian friends, listeners. I consider family. Uh, I, it, my heart goes out to you because, you know, what we learned about in COVID in Canada was that the freedoms you even thought you had, much less those we think we have here in America, uh, at least we have a basis in the United States of America for an acknowledgement of rights coming from God, not government. And in Canada, unfortunately, I say it this way, even though nice people and all of that, but you got Trudeau, sorry about that. Uh, the rights that you think you have were granted by acts of parliament, which means they are privileges, not rights. It's not from God, but, and I don't know, you're, you're technically part of the Commonwealth. I guess that would be under the crown of England on and on it more overtly. I don't know many people that actually worship the queen or king there, but at the same time in the monarchy system, you have the divine right of Kings in the American system of governance. You have the divine right of Kings, but each and every one of us is a King or a queen as it relates to our domain, our <clears throat> empire. Are you a King or a queen? You really, you have to ask that after last hour? You know, this is the United States, you know. You get to decide what you want to be. That's what okay. do you identify as today. Yeah. <laughs> but the, and remember, um, Michael Badnarik, who we lost, uh, uh, was it now, this year or last year? Good Lord, it's just like time flies. 
Uh, he wrote a, a book, Good to Be King, Foundation for a Constitutional Constitutional Freedoms. And that was the concept that no longer would we be worshipful of kings, queens, and emperors, but in the American form of government, we acknowledge that each of us are that by our very birthright. That birthright is not a bloodline from kings, queens, and emperors, but direct connection to the source of all creation itself. And in that sense, the concept of sovereignty, individual sovereignty being with the people versus the government, is distinct and different from England and Canada and Australia, you know, what we have in America. Now, I know that the vast majority of people, Super Don, in America probably don't know that history and the depth of it and what it really means because we've all kind of behaved as if we're subjects of government as opposed to being free from it and superior to it. In fact, those in government, media, and other areas will try to convince us that if somebody claims that word or uses that word sovereignty, that they're a domestic terrorist. A sovereign citizen, yes. Well, and, and of course, I've pointed out that a sovereign citizen, the words together is an oxymoron. Because the <laughs> yeah, sovereign is above and doesn't bow down, is not subject to the jurisdiction of a king, queen, emperor, or even the federal government. Now, people will say, well, now you believe you're above the law. Well, no, the sovereign is the law and that he abides by the law, and that is the common law. That is the law of God, of nature, and nature's God. That your rights end where another's begins. And like we talked with Michael last hour, the responsibility that comes with your rights and also the fully informed the information about what that entails. Because if people think, well, I'm above the law, and then they start violating other people's rights, now you're subject to the law because yeah. you violate it. Well, and, and you know, the other thing, and, and I've, I've had conversations with people over the years, mm -hmm. and whenever you bring up the whole sovereign thing, they immediately think of what? Can you, can you guess what it is that, that people always bring up when you bring up, oh, yeah, yeah, he says he's a sovereign citizen. Uh, no, which was the bad guy that they bring up? No, it's not the bad guy. They bring, oh. What they do is because every once in a while you'll find a video mm -hmm. on YouTube or something like that where somebody films themselves getting pulled over by a police officer oh, because yeah, they were speeding. Yeah. Right. And they get into this long argument and debate with the police officer. I don't recognize your authority, blah, blah. Mm. And they go back and forth and eventually yeah. they get arrested, put in jail. Yeah. And so people kind of, whenever they hear that, they roll their eyes, you know, just like, oh boy, yeah. here we go. He's one of those guys, you know, it's, well, it's, and, a, it's, and, it's an unfair um, sure. stereotype. Yeah, but unfortunately, well, that's up, what most people know it as. But that's how they, you know, they bring up the worst of anything or the misinterpretations of anything to say that's the example for all of it. Right. Which when you are uh, operating in what we call a sovereign capacity, you are very cautious and careful not to violate the rights of any. Now, we could argue about, uh, let's say, traffic laws, the regulations, not laws technically. But if you are in, 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 in involved in behavior that could be called reckless endangerment, I don't care whether you claim to be sovereign or not, you are violating fundamental tenets within any community that don't even have to be written into the law. That was the concept of the common law. Reckless endangerment is not something protected that you can engage in simply because you say, oh, I'm above that. That's not what I'm saying, and I hope people don't misinterpret when I'm well, trying that, to... Some people, I think what they do is they read about that somewhere. Somebody says, yeah. oh, here's what you say. Yeah. You know, and suddenly they go, oh, no, I've got a way to get out of getting a ticket. Mm -hmm. And so they launch into this whole thing and, and make themselves look like fools, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah. I, have you seen, though? You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. No, when you yeah, brought okay. it up, I, yeah. I do. Absolutely. And I know there are a lot of people that completely misinterpret 
even having a conversation like this. What does it really mean? People think it's all about getting away with stuff. It's wrong. If you think that, you are not engaged in what we would call uh, the the life and role of the sovereign as it was, in, let's say, instituted among men to acknowledge, again, God's creation and that we are part of that creation. And what does that mean? We obey God's law. Now, people say, well, what is God's law? Is that this? Is it that? It's like, look, your ability to directly in, you know, communicate with that which is most holy. We weren't supposed to be in America a theocracy. That is one religious belief or dogma or sect or whatever that would dominate all others. It was to be a place where we could worship as we saw fit, live as we see according to our edicts and beliefs, as long as we violated the rights of no one else in that exerting of of our rights or beliefs, if you will. And prior to that, you know, either religion was abolished, like in a communist, uh, godless uh, dictatorship society, or it's made sanctioned as, a, you know, the Church of England, for instance, the history of making one sanctioned state religion. And this is interesting because, as I've argued in America, we do have a state sanctioned religion in violation of that First Amendment, which prohibits, you know, the, the establishment of religion or, you know, also, the, well, let me say, as a, as a, a state sanctioned religion, state religion. But we have one, and I've called it the, the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism for a reason, because as you see the state, it's the courts, the, the legislatures, etc., align themselves with this dogma or belief system of the allopathic medical model, like, for instance, vaccinate, vaccination. You know, if there's a divorce proceeding and one parent believes in vaccines and one doesn't, the court invariably decides in favor of the parent that believes in that dogma, that belief system. And not only that, but let's look at cancer, the industry of cancer, the business of cancer, the business of disease. If you have a child, let's just say you're both aligned. It's not a divorce proceeding, but you have a a belief, a religious belief that, you know, I do not believe that it is correct morally, spiritually, et cetera, or whatever, to poison my child that has cancer with toxic ingredients that could kill a healthy person or horse. And so you reject chemo or other things. The state will come in and claim ownership over that child. If you if if they can, they will try, attempt to do so. The courts will side with that. Even if you've done your due diligence in every way, shape, or form, you're fully educated and informed on all of it, and you say, look, the risks are too great here. I want to save my child. We want to do it this way. The state will likely attempt to take away your child. Now, you make it easier for that to happen when you engage in subjugating yourself to the rule of a secular government. And I say that not to denigrate it, just to acknowledge that's what it's supposed to be, although it may be rooted in divine principles. When we talk about the Declaration of Independence and even much of the Constitution, the way it was written originally, to protect rights, to limit government, not the people. But we're at that point where uh, you have a child that you brought into this world in a holy matrimony of some kind, and you ask permission of the government to enter into that holy matrimony, you, you got a marriage license. What does a license do? It, it provides a permission slip to do that which would otherwise be illegal. Tell me where it's illegal to you know choose a spouse and come together of your own free will and, and, and decide to form a holy matrimony. And this is where I said the institution of marriage should be removed from state. This is just me 
and I know that, that I've got people of, of faith that disagree with me on this, and that's okay. But I think when a government involves itself in an institution, it necessarily screws it up. Doesn't make it better. But to enter into a holy matrimony, it's a religious or spiritual uh, perspective or ceremony. Now, for those that uh, get into the controversy of what they call gay marriage, right? if you're an adult and you want to contract with somebody or covenant with somebody and have your own version of a marriage or form your own religious or spiritual union in a way that disagrees with me or somebody else, I believe you have that right. Now, somebody might disagree with that, but then when you look for the state to sanction it, you know, equal protection under the law, well, you've asked for a special privilege for those uh, of people of faith that marry a man and a woman together. You've asked for a special privilege of government by asking for permission. And now the argument in the courts is going to be, well, equal protection of the law means that these adults want to get married and they're the same, you know, same gender. And you, you don't like that because your religious beliefs prohibit that or it's not part of your belief system. How about removing marriage and state? Okay, I'm going to leave that there because that's a whole other thing that I didn't plan to talk about today. But I know there are so many controversies and so many misinterpretations when we talk about this. And hopefully you know my history here and respect for freedom as an adult, sound mind and, you know, whatever. But recognizing, too, what was said last hour by Michael, even in the the perspective as an adult that says, you know what, I want to undergo gender mutilation surgery do they indeed understand the full ramifications for what it means? I'll hazard a guess that they don't because much of modern medicine operates not on informed consent or fully informed consent at all, not even partial informed consent. So they say, yes, it's a miracle surgery. We can just remove your tallywhacker and you'll be a woman. Or uh, for women, we can reconstruct something and get tissue from somebody else and give you a tallywhacker. For those of you in England, you know what that is. If you're an American, you don't. I'll just leave it at that for the kids' sake. (laughs) And yet it's not about that. It's about, you know, pain, dysfunction. Uh, It's about reliance on synthetic uh, medications, hormones, blockers, as we say, that are carcinogenic by definition, that alter function, that damage and inflame structure, that create all kinds of chronic diseases on top of chronic diseases, degenerative diseases, et cetera. Are these the things that these people that undergo these surgeries made aware of? Now, if they are, and they still decide, you know what, that risk, all these things you've told me, I've engaged, I've studied, and I say, it's worth it to me because this is how I feel. As an adult, I would not stand in your way. That's the respect for freedom that I have, but I would ask, I would ask that you are made fully aware to the greatest uh, ability possible, and unfortunately, much of modern medicine does not engage in full information. Because they know if you get the full information, you might decide not to undergo the procedure, which is very profitable for those that are engaging in it and and, and establishing more and more of these gender reassignment surgery centers, as if you can change gender by, you know, butchery. So that, you know, but governments do this kind of thing all of the time. I mean, look at what happened under COVID where they mandated experimental injections to alter DNA protein synthesis through mRNA injection. And they said you had to do it or else. Oh, but you were free to say no. But of course, if you said no, you'd lose your job. You'd lose your ability to go to school or be an athlete. You'd lose, you know, name it. We've covered this. Happened here in in America where you think it wouldn't. Happened, of course, in Canada. And the story out of Canada from the Edmonton Journal is about hundreds of military personnel are part of a lawsuit 
over mandatory COVID vaccine policy. The court action demands $1 million in damages for each plaintiff, plus acknowledgement that the uh, Canadian uh, Armed Forces members had their rights violated. And there are 300 of them. Over 300 of them are listed as plaintiffs right now. Uh, Super D, is, do you know if the Canadian government is acknowledging the wrongdoing other than what we heard out of Alberta? Like there was Heck no. Heck no. Trudeau didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. He's, they're, not, they're, he's not sorry. They're not denying anything. He's not sorry. They? Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, you're so sorry. No, they're not. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. Canada uh, seemed more like a dictatorship there for a while. Mm-hmm. Than anything else, it was I, I. You know, listen, the Canadians, and I know, know there's there's some folks in, in Canada and Alberta mm-hmm. to listen to this show. Yes, uh, I think even you would agree with me that there's a stereotype, right? With the Canadians, they're nice. Yeah, they're really nice. We're nice people. And we're tolerant, and we're diversify and mm-hmm. you know a lot of yada 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 we love you and you're welcome blah blah, blah unless you don't get vaccinated yeah. <laughs> or unless you don't wear a mask right then we're going to we're going to arrest you we're going to stick you in jail we're going to steal your money mm-hmm. you know we're going to destroy your life and your livelihood uh yeah. but other than that we really like you yeah. yeah. So, yeah, not all Canadians are nice, particularly those in government that yeah. wanted to mandate this, these things. And, you know, as we opened the show earlier today about uh, the story of the Department of Defense Pentagon uh, agenda in COVID, that these were really warfare methodologies to overcome objection to uh, injection with things that would alter your your very genetic integrity. And I, I remember claims was like, oh, this doesn't alter your genes. I'm like, really? What is mRNA supposed to do? Tell your DNA to synthesize proteins that are, are not normally synthesized. That's not altering your DNA. Like, explain that to me. And, and you know things like uh, the the so called experts that were proud, you know, across every media outlet, and that we questioned, so we got banned. Whether it be Fauci, Walensky, and others, how do they not know that masks do not filter out even KN95s things that are as small as what they claim viruses are, much less the spike protein. Super D, seriously. I mean, what am I? I'm a renegade homeopath, and I could do math, and I could do measurement and show you that there is no physical possibility that you are filtering out the thing that you said was causing all the problems. And that they insisted that, oh, no, it works. And then if you said it didn't, then you were going to be banned like we were from YouTube and Spotify and LinkedIn. Were we right? You disagreed with the World Health Organization. You can't do that. You're violating the misinformation policy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I got I got dinged by Facebook. Now, you know, mm-hmm. I had heard something about how Facebook said that they were they were not going to be doing that anymore. They still dinged it, huh? But they still got yeah. I uh, are well, you know, I think we talked about it on the air. The the fans page was restricted. Right. I mm-hmm. got a warning, and then you you got a different warning that was just yeah. like, oh, be careful, we might have to unpublish your Facebook page. And right. I, anybody listening on Facebook right now, if we happen to just vanish off of <laughs> Facebook. It's not because we don't like you. Uh, it's you because don't. we've been removed. So you know you can always go to robertscottbill.com and regroup. Mm-hmm. We'll find you a new place to watch the show. Yeah, and join us on our Patreon support page, and you'll have access to all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff, first-of-its-kind things, and uh, we will uh, have our Zoom AMA on the 1st of July. Again, I consider this our June one because we just couldn't squeeze it in. 
uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, join us on Zoom. It's a lot of fun. And even if you can't join us live, you'll have access to them and all of them that we have that weren't banned by Facebook because we did lose a few originally when, uh, I'm sorry, not Facebook, uh, when YouTube banned us. YouTube, yeah. 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 So, uh, Super D, any commentary on the marriage thing? I, I br- bring that up from time to time as well. And that's controversial because, you know, are you homophobic because you don't believe in gay marriage? No, listen, I, I don't believe in state-sanctioned marriage. I believe that uh, marriage is a, a holy matrimony. Well, and yeah. And adults can get together and decide. You're coming at it from a different perspective than, say, other people. You know, the the um, the controversial part of the debate that you see on TV and on on social media and on Fox yeah. News, news alert, yeah. Um, gay wedding cake. You know, I mean, right. it's not about government being involved in in asking you or telling you you have to have permission to get married. Mm-hmm. It's a religious thing. It's a it's a, it's a it's a Christian thing, right? Basically. Um. So, yeah, my I, my I, opinion. I, mm-hmm. I, you well, know, I, me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to just say this. Just to acknowledge this, and I it's I've said I've said this before. One of my dearest friends in this lifetime has been married to a man, he's a man, for uh, 20-something years. They've even raised a child from a previous marriage that one of the guys was married to a woman before. And on, on. And this kid just grew up and got married to a woman, right? So it's like for those of you who think that, oh, if you're in a gay marriage, you're automatically going to raise a gay boy. You no, know, th- this over-simplistic thing. Now, when we're talking about abusive children, that's a different story in regards to a lot of the LGBTQ. And there are a lot of people who are in the gay community that are like, this is wrong. This is not worse, right? But you don't hear that. You you know, you just lump them all together. So my point is, I just believe in the, let's say, sanctity of entering into agreements, contracts, covenants between consenting adults, not deceiving children. Not, you know, that's a different story. And I'm trying to make a distinction here and that people of faith who look to government to sanction their faith, it's looking to the wrong place. That's my argument. And I know, again, some people disagree with me on that. That's okay. Right. Uh, and, and so my point is, if you're for, quote unquote, an alternative form of marriage uh, and you want the government to sanction it, people have asked to have their religious views sanctioned in marriage. And remember, the marriage license came about after uh, the so-called Civil War ended and a white person wanted to marry a black person. And that, you know, that was like, oh, they can't do that. Oh, well, you can ask permission of the government if we sanction it. That's a license. You've been given a license. You can get married. And then somehow that expanded to everybody having to ask for permission. That's how it's it's solely, subtly. Well, it became at some point uh, a thing where it was more it it was more than just two people getting married. Mm -hmm. Suddenly now there was a bunch of other stuff that was attached to it. Right now. Now you've got benefits and Social Security and. And you know, yada yada yeah. yada. And that was engineering uh, the social fabric of the co- of the society via the tax code. You know, and yeah. then when it came to gay marriage, it was it was uh, a recognition and, yeah. and acceptance, right? You know, we want to have the same thing that you guys have. Sure, we're, we're you entitled asked to that. for special permission, and now you're complaining that somebody else is doing it too. Right. So. Oops. You see, that's not a popular position for some people of faith to recognize that you went to the wrong group government to ask for a stamp of approval and didn't realize that others well, were was, listen, you want these benefits. You, you got to have a marriage license. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to prove you're married so you can get your, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. 
I know. Well, I don't show any controversy. Hoodwinked, I tell you. All right, let's see. How well is the government doing in protecting babies from heavy metals and baby food? You know, I've never heard anything bad about uh, babies listening to Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) You know? We listened to Ozzy when we were younger. I don't know if we were babies at the time. Uh, But, no, we're talking about heavy metals found in baby food, not heavy metal music by the likes of Ozzy Osbourne. Back in 2018, I think we were covering this. Yep. The discovery of, of, oh, my gosh, it's organic, but there are heavy metals in it. You know, you've mentioned Mike Adams, the health ranger, uh, testing a lot of organic products and finding out there are heavy metals in it because the standards didn't involve testing for heavy metals. It was more or less pesticides and herbicides and things, but they missed the heavy metals. And so um, they found them, and you're like, okay, it's been five years now since 2018. Uh, how are they doing in five years since, since they've been called out? Wah, 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 wah. It's still the same. You mean they haven't improved it in five years? What, what's in five years, you still got uh, heavy metals in baby food. Yeah. Uh, How is that possible? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. It's very yeah. frustrating. It, it kind of reminds me of the conversation we had a while back about the lead in the water, hmm. where it's just like, you know, why is it we haven't figured out, you know, a hundred years later, how to uh, get lead out of the drinking water. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're spending a gazillion dollars on everything else. And you're telling me there's nobody in government that can take lead in the water and be the champion of getting lead out of the water. Finally, that would look good on somebody's resume. That would be something to probably get him elected president. Right. You know, but why can't they do that? We can spend millions and millions of dollars sending it to the Ukraine. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just sent another 500 million, I think, uh, just the other day. Yeah. Uh, but we can't, we can't get lead out of the water and apparently we can't get lead out of baby food, babies. You know, I can understand, you know, if you're an adult Mm. and you want to eat crap, fine. (laughs) But babies, you don't have that choice yet. It's in the baby food. Yeah. You're telling me they can't figure out how to make baby food without lead in it or heavy metals in it. It's it's 2023. I mean, you know, we're we're working we're still we're working on still trying to get the flying car. Yeah, I haven't quite made that yet. But you think we could we could we could get uh, heavy, uh, heavy metal free baby food? Well, it looks like you know you meant you kind of intimated like a guy like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's got an incredible environmental track record. Who I'm sure will be asked. Did anybody in the audience get to see the health policy discussion? with a number of our friends and Bobby Kennedy from yesterday. I didn't get a chance to watch it. And if anybody's got commentary on it, because I know that Mickey Willis was going to ask some certain things, including the issue of an, the environmental uh, hoodwinking of the planet and the people of planet Earth over a global warming, how they're weaponizing environmentalism to, to remove you from your rights to life, liberty, and property. Uh, that CO2, that they call the greenhouse gas emission is not really a toxic pollutant per se. In fact, CO2 levels have been much higher in the history of the planet. And of course, plant life thrives. That means more food is growing, et cetera, with CO2. Now, if we were, and how many times have I said this super D even going back to Al Gore in the early part of the show, perhaps before you even arrived and we, but when we got together, I say, Al Gore, if you had talked about global toxicology instead of global warming, mm-hmm. right? Pollution, really something where Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals will go, 
yeah, we really are not fans of this pollution because we know it can measurably impact our lives as opposed to some airy-fairy nefarious scheme to pretend uh, a fraction of a degree Celsius or Fahrenheit is going to end all life on Earth within five years or 20 or 100, right? And they keep changing the numbers, right? AOC had to be erase what she said, right? We're still here. That is being utilized as a Marxist nefarious takeover of our planet and America and many others, through ESG scores, et cetera. All of that is, is, is a captured concept of something that we would be aligned with in terms of real environmentalism. As Bobby Kennedy has shown, hey, clean up the rivers, and he did. Something that both conservatives and liberals, however you define them, got behind and can support and respect. Right. Versus the kind of environmentalism that is not, that cares not when in uh, East Palestine, Ohio, a toxic train derailment. And not a peep from global warming alarmness going, oh, my gosh, it's an environmental disaster because it right. doesn't fit the agenda. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, you think about when, when they identify a problem, it seems like it's always some ginormous, huge thing that you literally cannot fix. You know, that they, they'll they come up with some kind of legislation after after paying off a bunch of their friends, mm -hmm. figuring out some way to profit off of it. They'll, they'll you know, come up with some plan. It's like some 25-year plan, you know, when they're going to, you know, do something. When in reality, it's never going to happen, it, which I've never understood. Why, why do I, would, would they, they put to these plans where it's like, by 2052, mm -hmm. we will have reduced yada, yada, whatever. And it's like, you know what? You're going to be dead. Yeah. Before 2052, there's going to be a number of presidents that have taken your place that are going to rearrange the chairs on the deck of the Titanic yeah, yeah. and all the stuff that you put in plan in, in place today right. are, is going to mean nothing in 10 years. I mean, that, that goal will never be reached. Am ever. I asking too much for people that have a, a, a sympathy or a bent to go, I love the environment, I want to protect it, that and, they can see through? To my point, to my yeah. point. Mm -hmm. It's like, why can they not pick something that they can actually do? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, here's this thing over here. It's going to cost $50 million, which we just write checks for $50 million every day for, for whatever. It's going to cost $50 million to fix that bridge. Okay. So fix the bridge. Here's the check. And then get some people over there and they fix the bridge. They see, we accomplished something. Ta-da. When was the last time you ever saw something like that happen in government? It never happens. Yeah. They keep putting all these bills with 3,000 pages, you know, all this stuff that they're, they're going to do, and they extend it out to, you know, t 15 years, 20 years before they're going to be able to accomplish it. It's the same thing they're trying to do with this thing here we're talking about right now with the, the baby food. Yeah. Five years ago, they came out with this study. Big, pro you know, everybody on the news was talking about, we were talking about it. It was a mm -hmm. thing. So and they're saying here that the administration still has not finalized deadlines mm -hmm. for setting limit guidelines. Five years later, yeah. they haven't been able to get five people in a room just to come up with an idea as to what the limit should be and when they ought to do it. So I here's mean, here's the question. <laughs> here's the question. Uh, what do we say as parents? Well, uh, to our kids, right? Right. I'm sorry I couldn't feed you clean food because the government couldn't figure out the standards or do we they can't figure out when, when they yeah. ought to get around to saying how much yeah. is too much uh, heavy metals in the baby food. So we'll just keep feeding it to the baby anyway. Right. Or do we as parents say, you know what, I'm not relying on the government to 
clean up my food exactly. and I'm going to start growing my own and making my own or finding sources that I know or, or could validate or others have validated outside of government that are actually but clean this, and free of Robert, health. this is where you start getting into people talking about uh, uh, racism. Mm-hmm. Right now, and I can I can connect the dots on something like this, where you've got somebody that's in a very disadvantaged situation in a very poor neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they don't have the money to do it. They get their SNAP benefits, you know, or their WIC, you know, uh, vouchers or something like that, and they go to the store, and the best they can do is they can buy Gerber baby food, yeah, because they need to feed their baby, right? Okay, those people don't have necessarily, you know, for the most part, generally speaking the ability to go and and buy the expensive stuff, you know, yeah. over at Trader Joe's or to, you know, grow a garden because they're, they live on the 10th floor of the projects in, in Detroit or something. Okay. It, it, but it shouldn't be that way. There yeah. should not be heavy metals in the baby food. Can we all agree on that, please? Yes. Okay. And, then, and then we come back to, but there are, and now what do you do? Yeah. So it, we talked a little bit about the concept of charity in hour one. and if you know the opportunities were there that we weren't all having to work so hard just to pay the cost of government, much less to try and keep up with federal reserve note de- depreciation and value due to inflation, uh, we might, uh, actually be able to help those in need not to provide a snap benefit to get them toxic baby food, but to actually transform the society. And it's not an overnight instantaneous thing, to begin like some have done projects within inner cities to find any so-called spaces that are not being utilized, converting them into food forests, for instance. And, and someone said, well, that's not realistic. It's like, well, how realistic is it to expect that the government's going to correct that? With, in this case, just this one small example, in five years, they haven't done squat to do something that seems so obvious when they can do all kinds of other things. And so I keep coming back to, uh, if you wait for government, you'll be dead long dead and sick and, and on and on it goes. And that's not a happy thing to say for a lot of people that are relying on government. Do I acknowledge that over generations, the breeding of reliance on government has been a purposeful uh, degeneration. In other words, away from our true identity and ability and capacity to, if not do for ourselves and or for others, but to help others that can't do for themselves to help them to help themselves uh, in freedom. Once again, versus uh, the deception that is government or those who have captured government. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Uh, Talking about marriage licenses. Bolden says, I don't believe George and Martha Washington had a marriage license. Pretty sure they didn't. (laughs) You know, again, go to the history books. And as I pointed out, whether you uh, have a religious belief or not, um, a contract, a covenant, we filed our covenant. We uh, recorded our um, major announcements, uh, including our marriage and our children's births in the family Bible, just as it was done long before that they said, oh, my, you must be a commodity and you must be numbered like beasts in the field for the debt that can never be repaid, nor is it allowed to be questioned according to one of the amendments. Uh, we've talked about that controversy as well. Uh, and then Leslie asked, uh, what is this? Um, is there a way to get our kids out of the system, burning birth certificates and social security cards? Man, I am not an attorney. I don't pretend to be one, but I acknowledge that if you've been deceived into engaging or entering your children into unconscionable contracts, that you could burn it, tear it up, just not use it anymore. And there are more and more people becoming aware of the deception that has gone on and are creating carve outs or ways to retain and regain, regain and then retain 
your true identity, spiritual. And we come back to that other S word that has been used as a, you know, uh, oh, that equals domestic terrorist. But remember, when you step into what's called sovereignty, and this was the concept again, so the sovereignty, the right, divine right of kings. And then in America, the acknowledgement that each and every one of us are divine and, and kings of our own right over our own dominion or domain. Now, that didn't mean we had the uh, uh, right to rule over and subjugate others only in freedom. But when they did the, what was it, the 14th Amendment to free the slaves, and we just had the Juneteenth thing, which happened a, few, you know, a couple of years after in Texas when they finally all got freed. But the 14th Amendment is a bit deceptive because it disallowed involuntary servitude or slavery, but it didn't say anything about voluntary. And so the trick with Social Security is to get you to volunteer in. It's a voluntary system, is it not? And if you have a religious objection, as some communities do, they don't participate in that. That's a radical departure from what we've come to accept as reality because it's been this way now for generations. Uh, granted, hey, Mom, if you're out there in the audience, God bless you. Thank you for having that spirit of independence, whether you realized it or not. Your streak of independence caused me to question everything and eventually come to a different conclusion than many people, my fellow Americans, so to speak. Now, I'm not alone in this, and more people than ever are not only talking about it, but engaging in doing and saying, you know what? We are not obligated to participate in a system of slavery, voluntary. How, how correct morally, ethically, spiritually is it to put your kids up as collateral for a debt that they had no part in making? They're born into, into slavery. And to give your kids an opportunity not to be enslaved and then to have a choice when they're of, again, the age of majority. And let them know about that choice, which they didn't let us know when our parents said, here's the number, you get it, so now you can go work and then they can take part of your money. And you're like, what is that all about? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Which means, you know, the income tax is a slave tax. Part of the key planks of the Communist Manifesto. How is that an American thing where people go, and, and you know, how many Republicans are going, this is wrong, it should be abolished, besides Ron Paul? There are other ways, certainly, to raise funds legitimately constitutionally via various forms of tax, taxation written in the Constitution, imposed, excise, tariffs, that kind of thing. But no, 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 we have to own you and we get to tell you how much you get to keep by numbering you like cattle, beasts in the field. You work for us. Doesn't that seem spiritually incorrect to any of you? And then if you come to that same conclusion, what do you do? Not giving you a directive here or a marching order. That's not what I do here. I just ask the questions. Sometimes you go, oh, that's interesting. Let me think about that. Where does that lead? What do you do? I know what we're going to do. We're going to go get together at the RSB Family Union, the first of its kind. Thanks to Leslie and family near Joplin, Missouri, Southwest Missouri. It ain't easy to get there, but I found a way to get at least close. And I'll be there. It's the 14th, 15th, and 16th of July. It's our next big event. Looking forward to seeing and reunioning and unioning with many of you that are planning to be there. Uh, I've heard Taryn Gregson and her family are coming. I saw Dr. Ben Tapper in uh, Loveland. Sounds like he'll be down there with his family. I'm hoping that's the case. And Many others, Sherry Neal. Uh, who else is coming? Is Ula? Ula's coming. Leslie, who else is coming? It's going to be amazing. Farmsteading, homesteading, campfires, music, learning. Or Did I mention organic pie? I keep saying that as if anybody's going to get to eat any besides me. I don't know. It's kind of, well, that'll be the challenge. We'll, we'll have pie eating contests. Who can even have a piece while Robert is there? <laughs> 
challenge gauntlet thrown. It would be like an arm wrestling tournament, right? With you. Yeah. It, it was like me wrestling with old ladies in Africa. Uh, who's going to get the last piece of pap papaya? I'm so mean when it comes to this stuff. I'm not really, but I'm just having fun thinking about it. It's going to be amazing. So organic gluten-free pie. And you think gluten-free tastes like cardboard? Not when Leslie makes it. No, no, no. She's, oh, she's going to be she's awesome. figured out how to do it right. Yeah. So we got Ula, Billy, Sherry, Lorelai. Yay, Taryn, Kimberly Overton. Ah, Kimberly. Oh, my gosh. She's so wonderful. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I hope my buddy Scott Scherner can make it there as well. He's, a, he's great. So th there's a lot of fun that's coming up. And there's a lot more events than that coming up. If you go to the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, uh, you can see what is going on there. And we're adding events. Much to my chagrin, <laughs> I say that because, oh my gosh, am I going to be home in September and October? I'm not sure with all the events that are popping into the mix. So upcoming events tab, Super Don sent out an invitation for the uh, Biomed Expo just the other day. Uh, so you can participate in that in Las Vegas. That's uh, September, what is it, 14th through 17th or something? But there's so much more. I don't have time to go into it. Oh, Scott is definitely coming. Okay, thanks, Leslie. Kevin Tuttle will be there. Leslie, of course, you'll be there. All right. What else? I want to talk briefly about religious exemptions. I know we have a little bit of time left. I hear the doggies going bonkers there, Super D. Somebody's here. Who just showed up? Peek out that window. See, see what anybody. it is. No? Okay. I think so, I, bu I bumped the desk or something. Oh, I made that, it sound like you know, somebody's knocking yeah. on the door or something. Gotcha. So this story out of the Defenders is religious exemption form for parents of school-aged kids in D.C. is intentionally misleading and unlawful. Subheadline, there is no legal basis or requirement for parents to use the newly revised 2023 religious exemption request process for families posted on the D.C. Health website, according to Children's Health Defense Senior Staff Attorney Rolf Hazelhurst. Now, scrolling on down here, uh, according to one letter, uh, they talk about a uh, second part of section two requires each parent or guardian to please provide a written statement on a, why you do not get vaccinations based on your sincerely held religious belief, B, the religious principles that guide your decision not to get vaccinated and C, whether you're opposed to all vaccines. And if not the religious beliefs you follow that will not allow you to get the COVID-19 vaccination. <laughs> Boy, it really seems like they're trying really hard to make it like almost impossible for somebody to be able to. Yeah to do this or making it such a hassle that uh, people will just give up. Right. And of course they deceive you because the code uh, is written in DC about exemption from certification. Uh, and it says no certification of immunization shall be required for the admission to a school, to, to a school of a student who, for whom the responsible person objects in good faith and in writing to the chief official of the school, that immunization would violate his or her religious beliefs. In other words, all you have to do is write a letter. This is my, and you don't have to define your belief. You don't have to explain it. You know, the idea of a religious litmus, litmus test, could there any be anything more patently unconstitutional? And there's a lot of stuff that is. But remember, uh, uh, I've told the saga, the story in brief, and I'll have to get uh, my, my, my buddy, Pastor David, who helped with this. The U.S. State Department adopted the, the law, supposedly, that Congress passed a few years back that said you had to have a Social Security number to get a passport or renew a passport. That wasn't the case up until a certain uh, amount of time a few years ago. And we had already gotten passports for the kids and all of that and renewed them already. And then here we had tried to renew them again. They denied it without the numbers. And we pushed back on religious belief and they ignored us. 
And so a suit had to be filed against the State Department all the way up to the highest levels of government. And it's still ongoing. But they acknowledged, they acquiesced that, yes, they have to make, by law, religious accommodation for those that don't want to have or don't have or don't want to use this number because it violates their religious beliefs. And they changed the website on the Department, State Department's website regarding religious accommodation for those that don't have or use a Social Security number. And we were able to get our, our passports again. Now, the suit is still engaged because until the government fully is not deceptive on this, and that changes the very paper, right? When you get the application for a passport, it describes all that they would have to put that accommodation language in the actual paper that you often fill out if you're not doing it online. Uh, so we're all pushing it all the way because it's not just about us. It's for those who come back after us to recognize, again, the foundation of American liberty is in our, what? It's written in the First Amendment, but it's not a right granted by the First Amendment. It's acknowledged that we have these rights that pre-exist government, and that includes our right to religious freedom. And that includes our right not to be numbered like beasts in the field, like cattle, and made collateral for a debt we had no part in before we're even born or the moment we come here. That is unconscionable. That, to me, is involuntary servitude because what kid volunteered into that system? They're not of age of sound mind until they're 18. What contract can they enter into under the age of 18? Super Don, do you know, you know, uh, uh, change their gender, get a vaccine, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) People, the Marxist left would have, would have you believe that kids should be able to do that. All right. Um, we got herbs for emotional well being. Maybe we'll get to that in the uh, bonus round. Yeah. We didn't cover Dutch uh, euthanasia in any detail either. Yeah, we were talking but we're going to so save much. that for tomorrow. I don't want to okay. end a show on that. Yeah, yeah. I would like to do something uplifting. We'll roll that over time. to tomorrow because I think it is a, it's an interesting and important conversation. Yeah. So if you have questions or comments, drop them into the chat rooms or come on over to robertscottbell.com, submit a comment there. Leave us a message at 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. And say hello as well to my friend Bobbery when you... Reach out to Folium products, foliumpx.com, and get on the Chernobyl-level antioxidant that will break through whatever ceiling you thought you hit in your recovery. Go get it. Foliumpx.com, Folium Muno, Folium Relax, and more to come. And uh, he's a great big supporter of G. Edward Griffin and the Red Pill Expo and all of us here and all of you. So reach out, foliumpx.com, and get that 10% off with the code RSB10. Mm-hmm. And with that, Take a momentary break and be back shortly for the bonus round. For those of you who'd like to hang out some more. You haven't got enough yet? I certainly haven't got enough of Super Don. I, I think he's got more to say. No pressure. Wow. I have no a pressure. groupie. That's awesome. You do have a, you have a lot of groupies, actually. Mm. So thanks for being here, y'all. Power to Heal is yours. Say, Lori's uh, wanting more. One more hour. One more one hour. One more. I'm going to miss Lori because she's got like a Habitat for Humanity apparently coming over to help with her house. Uh, yeah, I've in. seen a few pictures. They're doing a, what's, what appears to be a pretty amazing job, Extensive which is really thing. cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Glad that they're helping you out there, Lori. Yeah. That is nice. <sighs> Jimmy Carter and Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. He's still kicking right now, I think. Still alive. Yeah. I think, yeah. Amazing. He's in hospice, I guess, but, uh, yeah, 
Good old Jimmy Carter. What was his daughter's name? Uh, Peanut. Peanut. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you got Jimmy and Rosalind and their daughter. That was 76, what? right? Yeah. He was yeah, president. 76. That's when my sister oh, was yeah, born. Then, right. Yeah. So I, I remember Jimmy Carter. Well. I was a kid. You're still a kid. Don't kid yourself. I was, I was eight, eight years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Katie uh, just switched names. What, what is it? What are you switching names for for bonus round? Katie? Is it like a I think so. costume change? Yeah. New roof, new siding, new windows, new porches, new doors, widened out to 36 inches. That's amazing, Lori. Yeah. Congratulations. Can't wait to see those pictures and hear more about it. Yeah. And she says, send some apple pie. She said, <laughs> I think it will be already eaten, Lori. Not that. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll think about you when I eat it. I'll play it. Well, that, does that count? <laughs> does that help or not? Probably not. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Go change your business name. Oh, I was able to harvest uh, uh, some cherries. Now, we, ha- we planted two Bing uh, cherries, which, are, you know, those are the famous Bing cherries. But for some reason, we didn't get them this year. They didn't pollinate. I don't know what happened. But we do have peaches, pears, and apples. But on the side, uh, we had, I had gotten a few years back some small, they were like, I don't know, they're not called dwarf, but they're cherry bushes. They're not so much trees, but they're bushes. And it's taken a while for them to adapt. I've had a few uh, over the course of the last couple of years, but a lot of time the birds would get them. So I bring the rubber snakes out to protect them and, and it worked. I was out this morning taking the trash and recycling out. And then I looked over at the, the cherry bushes. I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of beautiful little red things going on in there. And the snake was up, the rubber snake was there. And it's like, they're still here, they're hidden. And it was just became so bushy and beautiful. And I picked a lot of them. Now, these are cherries that are sweet and sour combination. They're small, they're not huge, but they are actually quite nice now that they're ripe. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, we also found a local um, store, you know, food storage place. Occasionally you'll get these deals. And my wife found seven bucks i believe this is right for an entire tray of you know those those buckets of, or, or plastic things of strawberries they're yeah. like that big no yeah. it's yeah. like a tray of i don't know how many of them 12 of them filled up with organic strawberries for seven bucks wow usually you do with that many strawberries you can pay seven bucks to get one of those things but yeah we uh we cranked out the uh birthday gift which is the freeze dryer right oh, okay harvest right freeze dryer and so we're making some more freeze-dried strawberries as well okay uh, so you know sometimes you can find these deals and make use of them in a way that preserves them and has long-term opportunities for you so that was a score as well which is kind of cool all right now would you call me a free radical or a radical for freedom a free radical huh? yeah no well, a well, I mean, I guess it depends. That's kind of a tricky. Uh, are you kind of radical in some ways? Absolutely. I and mean, how would you define radical, right? It, right. It, like uh, Goldwater defined it, right? Uh, um, extremism in the uh, the cause of liberty is no vice, right? Is it? And, and extremism in the cause of someone else's virtue, not a virtue. But the idea is, if you find something that violates your fundamental rights. Do you engage and participate, facilitate it, continuing to do that to yourself and others? Or do you stand up for what is right, even if it's inconvenient and uncomfortable? We all have these choices to make. And I'm not making judgments as I say this. I'm just 
you know, this is the way I've led my life when I learned something and there's always more to learn and it can be uncomfortable. It can be scary, but going back to the history of freedom and particularly how's it, how it manifested in, in, in America, man, they took on the biggest, baddest empire the world had ever seen to that point and somehow established a new nation that has devolved and, and, and moved away from its core principles which is, you know, the problem is we abandoned freedom, not that we embraced it. And yet the argument is that there's too much freedom here. Really? They're managing our lives to the point where we are basically. Is there such a thing as too much freedom? Yeah. The only thing I could say is that too much freedom would be meaning freedom without responsibility, without consequence. Who has too much freedom? The pharmaceutical industrial complex. They have been granted special privileges by the king, queen, emperor, or oligarchy to provide products that are virtually mandated that should they injure or kill, there's no liability, therefore no responsibility for what they put to the market that hurts people and kills people, including children. Therefore, you would say they are exerting far too much freedom with no responsibility. They're, they're trouncing on the rights of others. And of course, real freedom and real rights stop where others' freedom and others' rights begin. Total responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. What is that um, page you're showing there? That's the front page of Rumble right now. You notice something there? Hey, we made it to the front page of Rumble. Do we have a lot of on the front watching? page? Hi, Rumble. Anybody watching today because of that? Or um, Yeah, there's some people watching. All right. How y'all doing? They're all very quiet today. We're in bonus round, so y'all can speak up now if you've been waiting to say <laughs> something. Nice. Nasty. Thank you, YouTube. Rumble. Yeah. YouTube never put us on the front page. No, they banned us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the opposite. Can you believe we're still banned on Spotify and LinkedIn? Bunch of wussies. Yeah. Too hot for LinkedIn. Yeah. All these platforms with their their silly COVID misinformation policies. Mm-hmm. So stupid. So, so stupid. But, you know, they're still... Um, there's still some people out there that think that censorship is the answer. Yeah. If we just censor people enough, then everything will be great. Hmm. Have you hit any of your local farmers markets this summer yet? Uh, not yet. No, no, they are going on now. Uh, every Saturday we did hit the one in, uh, Yahats when we were, uh, gone for that weekend on the coast. They had one there that we went to, but, uh, not here locally. Not yet. Very good. Well, Dude, it seems I, like every Saturday I'm just slammed. It's like my one day off and I've got 27 things I got to do. So. Are you, is your community, it's not like the, a lot of farmer's markets are both days of the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays? Just Saturdays. Oh, it's only Saturdays. Okay. Yeah. So it just depends on where you are. Some of them will have be all weekend long. Yep. Yeah. It comes busy on a Saturday to do that. But you're right. We've been busy. And this Saturday we're going to be doing our, uh, our AMA. Our AMA. Yeah. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll see what kind of fun. I think I'll be able to go this this Saturday, though. My sister's coming to town. We're going to be doing some run around, doing stuff. So I think we'll probably hit it Mm -hmm. this Saturday. So anyway, so today is Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. We should have Jonathan Emord tomorrow. Yeah. Talking about the news of the day. I I already grabbed one video clip that popped up um, that I'll be using for tomorrow. DeSantis is is, kind of sounding like Ron Paul. 
lately. Have you noticed you? that? No, I have not been paying attention. Tell me about that. I will not. You, you will have to tune in tomorrow. I've okay. got a video clip of him saying something that Ron Paul was saying during his uh, campaign. Did he acknowledge Ron Paul saying it? Or was just I don't know that he did. I, 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 actually, actually, I haven't even listened to the clip. Okay. I saw it and I read what it was he was saying. I doubt very much that he referenced Ron Paul because nobody references Ron Paul anymore. Mm, we but, do. Uh, in any case, it's an interesting statement he's making. So we'll bring that up with Emord tomorrow in addition okay. to what's happening with Emord for VA. Nobody has responded to my request. As, did anybody watch the health policy discussion that Mickey Willis hosted? Uh, I think Dude, I didn't even know about it myself. Bobby Kennedy. So. And uh, is it available to watch? Has anybody been able to catch it yet? And what do you think? Anybody? No? That's not good. June 28th. Well, let's see here. Rolling Stone Magazine uh, wrote an article about it. I'm sure it's a very glowing and uh, praising mm. article here. Send uh, me the link. All right. Here you go. Because, you know, Rolling Stone does a great job of, of covering things in a fair and balanced way. Okay. Vaccine research likely responsible for HIV and the Spanish flu. Uh, is this about specifically the meeting yesterday or uh it is yeah robert kennedy jr convened a panel yeah they say it this way he convened a panel of health misinformation superstars (laughs) that's not a biased start to that article (laughs) not at all not at all gosh (laughs) oh lord i think we'll talk about this tomorrow i'll see if i can find for sure no this is good they are just going all in on that one good old rolling stone you know, I thought Rolling Stone magazine at one time was about music, wasn't it? I thought so. I, that's what I I remember way back mm-hmm. in the day. I thought it was a music uh, magazine. Yeah. Oh, and they say the live event aired on Rumble, a video streaming site favored by far right extremists and conspiracy theorists. Uh, really, how lazy is this? A Rolling Stone, not surprisingly, but yeah. Wow, it sounds like it, it was good. They hit hit a lot of things that you know you can't speak of in. Uh, polite mainstream media control mechanisms on speech. That's why they're upset. People are going to listen and go, oh my gosh, maybe there's a whole history I didn't know. Mm. I don't believe that Kennedy is lying and the other people talking about it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about that tomorrow. I'll see if I can find any clips of it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, y'all, if you have any comments or questions, just throw them our way. We'll see what we can add into the mix tomorrow. I'm just looking at this real quick. I mentioned Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Joseph McCuller. Say or ye. They didn't even do G, J-I. It's they put ye. How are they not? We're named as members of the disinformation dozen by the Center for Countering Digital Hate. As we know, that's a scam organization. Uh, they don't really cover a lot more other than they want, they want to bring up the whole HIV AIDS thing is still, mm-hmm. as if that's still a controversy claiming that HIV is not the cause of AIDS. No. Yep. yep. So I'll, I'll see what else I can find on that. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that tomorrow in the second hour. Cause I think we're wide open for hour two. Yeah. And then on Friday, we have got Hava Levi. Hava. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, you don't even try. I'm not you try to mess me up in how I say things. Uh, and then Ashley Everly in mm-hmm. hour two. 
You know everything. You know all about Ashley Everly, right? Do I? No, I don't know. I'm sure it's going to be good. This is one of those Kevin surprise uh, interviews. We just we just have to have to, I just have to trust in the power of the Kevin and his ability to get great uh, in, uh, guests. He always does. The power of Kevin. Yes. So that's what we got going on, and then the AMA on Saturday. So, okay. All right. I'm ready for lunch. You are all right. Go have some lunch, y'all, or dinner wherever you are, and uh, we'll reconvene tomorrow, less than uh, 22 hours from now, God willing, and uh, we'll have the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour, Jonathan. You are one last thing, Super D. Mm. Uh, July 4th Independence Day, I think, is um, Monday. If I'm not mistaken, or is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Yeah, I think it's Tuesday. July 4th is Tuesday. So my inclination is to play an encore of Michael Bednarik. Yeah. That was uh, our, our annual visits to Independence Day Spectacular. Sure. Yeah. The first year we don't have him live. We or, will play we'll play the last one that he did. With and us. we knew last year that it would be his last one. It was right. clear. And uh so did yeah, we do we'll two play. hours with him? What did we do? I don't even I don't recall, it. but we'll play whatever it is that we did with him. Investigate it and let's get back to it and plan for it. Yeah. All okay, right, y'all. Remember uh, the RSB Family Union in uh, outside of Joplin at Leslie's place with her six daughters and her husband James, and they're hosting, and it's going to be an amazing weekend. Real celebrations, and um, I don't know if we're roughing it. it. Leslie, am I staying in a tent outside? Where? What, what am I doing? I got. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't You're like hang, hanging upside down from a tree. I'm very, I'm very delicate and sensitive. I don't like mosquitoes. Can you get rid of them for me without pesticides? You're telling me you don't know a a nat. Isn't there a homeopathic remedy for that? There are there are a lot of natural things that can be done. There you go. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that. Okay. She has. I have no idea. Oh, this is going to be fun. I'll show up and go. I'll just sleep in the car. All right, y'all. Thanks for being here, uh, and uh, look forward to hearing from you and seeing you tomorrow on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And Maybe Super Don can be rehired because whatever video glitches are totally, he sabotaged the show. Totally. 100%. Have no idea what happens. People listening to the podcast right now have no idea what we're talking about because that gets cut out. So. Well, you, you get it fixed and, and nobody knows. Okay. Absolutely. All right. You were All right. Anyway, we'll see you guys tomorrow. All right. Later, Staters. <laughs>